Mastermind Agent is proud to present success calls. Top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com. Hi, I'm Mike Cerrone with Mastermind Agent. This month's top agent is Nick Waldner with Keller Williams in Columbia, Maryland. Last year, he closed 244 transactions with a total sales volume of $80 million. His average sales price was $329,000, of which 64% were buyers and 36% were sellers. He has a 22-member team, one chief growth officer, one lead listing agent, one lead sales agent, six team sales agents, four inside sales agents, one listing manager, one listing assistant, three transaction coordinators, one operations manager, one runner, one virtual assistant, and one team leader. Nick Waldner is the team leader of the Waldner Winners Team. He's been an agent for 15 years and works the central Maryland market. In this call, Nick talks about his entrepreneurial spirit shining through at age 7, getting into real estate as an investor, making 50% off lowball offers, and the results, how he built up to selling 65 homes per year as a solo agent, plateauing at $15 million in sales volume for several years, searching and finding better success systems and models, doubling his annual production four years in a row, and going from $16 million to an estimated $130 million this year, earning $2.25 million in GCI last year describing the Agent Achievement Triangle and creating a career path for his team agents, including ISA, Showing Agent, Sales Agent, Lead Agent, and Expansion Partner. Why his team is prospecting-based and marketing-enhanced. Handing team agents a company-generated client every time they close an agent-generated client. His simple yet effective repeat and referral program that accounts for two-thirds of his business. How his Internet Lead Program achieved an 8-to-1 ROI. His team's road-to-a-billion plan. Team dynamics, compensation, profit margins, and more. First, a quick word from our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television. Need more referrals? Get a free script and simple three-part plan used by a top agent to receive and close 74 referral transactions in one year. Just go to freereferralscript.com. That's freereferralscript.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the call, Nick. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Hey, Nick. Thank you so much for joining us today. Before we talk about what you're doing today, let's go back for a minute and talk about what you did before you got into real estate. Before real estate, I was a serial entrepreneur from the age of seven, I was buying candy at Costco or Sam's Club, going to school and selling it piece by piece on the bus for 10 cents, 25 cents. So I always had this drive to make money and, and to really be in sales. I grossed about $400 from this little business. And I came home one day, very excited to tell my mom that I was going to buy this amazing mountain bike that I had seen and I wanted. And, you know, don't worry about the cost because I got it. She was a little shocked, seventh grade. I had all this money in my pocket. She said, well, why don't you think about putting that money into the stock market? Like, well, okay. So I 
did it, whether she ever put the money in or not, who knows. But anyway, she told me that we put it in. And back then you had to look at your stock on the newspaper. So every Sunday we bought the newspaper, we check my stock and see what it did. The stock I ended up choosing was Nations Bank. Nations Bank ended up buying out Bank of America and then taking the Bank of America name. And so in that four months or so that I was watching this stock, it ended up splitting and doubling. So all of a sudden, my $400 was now worth 800 And I was like, Mom, you got to be kidding me. Why doesn't more people use the stock market? This is incredible. So I took half out. I bought that mountain bike, and I let the rest continue to grow. But what it did is it spawned this burning desire that, man, I really need to get into finance. I really need to check out this finance world. So went to college, was a finance and marketing major, double major graduated with honors and always had this envisionment of going into the stock market, being a financial advisor. And a lot of my friends, this was early 2000. I graduated in 2001 college. And in 2001, everybody was becoming a stockbroker. That was the thing to do. So in college, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and I started really getting into the idea of having passive income and having passive investments like houses that were paying me whether I went to work or not that day. So that kind of started my real estate passion. Now, my mother had been a real estate agent for the last, you know, at this point, she's been in the business 35 years. So back then she was 20 plus years and she was very good. Top of her world, number one in the office and listings and sales. She was excellent at what she did. So when I came out of college and thinking, okay, I'm going to start buying houses, start building this network up. She was obviously the first person I turned to. Now, I needed to fund this project. So in college, and then a couple of years after, I was working at a resort town called Ocean City, Maryland, and I was selling souvenir photography at the beach. You can basically picture college-age kids running up and down the beach, approaching families and kids and saying, hey, you want to get some pictures of the kids? You come in tonight, doesn't cost anything. You only buy the ones you like. Let's give it a try. It's fun. And that was our job. You we were making about a dollar to a dollar picture. And back then, if you hustled, you could make some real money. So my first year, when I was 18 years old, I made 14000 that first summer. And I thought, this is amazing. My <laughs> second summer, 18. My third summer, I made 32. My fourth summer, I was even higher than that. So I started doing that. That was, that was a great cash cow for a three-month business to earn that kind of money while you're in college pretty amazing. And that's what pushed me to start buying real estate. So I get out of college. I'm looking for something else to do as well as I want to start buying real estate. I bought my first house. Uh, I think I was 21 at the time. I bought it sight unseen. I literally called my mom and said, Hey, I got a huge bank account. And that was huge in my young 21 year old opinion, not huge by any other standard. And I said, I'm ready to buy this house. She said, great. I'll find you one. She went and found a for sale by owner, negotiated a great deal, called me and said, I found it. This is the one you want. I gave her power of attorney and she did everything. I sent the money and I came home three months later. And that was the first time I saw the house that I bought that I ended up, you know, my first house ever. So pretty cool story. A lot of trust in my mom. She's an amazing person, a great mentor and has taught me so much. So now I go to her and I said, okay, look, I got some more money. Let's buy houses. Robert Kiyosaki and Rich Dad Poor Dad, he told me, write 10 offers at 50% of the list price. Now, every agent in here knows 
when you get an offer for 50% of list price, it's a joke. So my mom knew the same thing. She said, I'm not writing 10 offers for you on 10 properties at 50%. I'll teach you how to write them and you can write them yourself and you might as well just get your license. So I said, okay. So I got my license. I got into starting to write on all these properties and I wrote, I think I wrote 22 offers at 50%. Guess how many I got? Zero. Exactly. (laughs) Not a single one. It was a joke. It was but it was a learning experience. And while I was out looking at one of the houses, I ran into a friend and he said, Hey, you know, I'm looking for this rancher in this area and I really haven't been to find anything. And I said, you know what? I just looked at one of those. In fact, I made an offer and I didn't get it. Do you want to go see it? I said, yeah, I'd love to. I took him to see the house. He ended up buying it. So first house made an offer. They accepted it. And then all of a sudden, 30 days later, a check goes up, a commission. And I was like, Whoa, <laughs> all of a sudden this is more than a dollar or a dollar 25 a picture this is some decent money so i got into real estate full-time and i got into real estate full-time with the idea that i want to make money so i can buy assets and i can build my passive income so that was always my vision always my plan and i did it for one reason i'm a big 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 family big 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 in balance um i think it's really important your health your spiritual the balance between work and play and spending time with family, that was huge for me. And what attracted me about real estate is I got into it thinking, well, this is great. Real estate allows me to work when I want to work and I don't have to work when I don't want to work because I have no boss. Well, little did I know that's the falsity that everybody falls into when they get into real estate. But the truth is that's not correct. Your boss are your clients. When somebody says, I need to see this house on Saturday, I want to see this house tomorrow night. Uh, Let's do Tuesday evening. You're at the mercy of what your clients want to do if you're going to be good at this business. So I quickly realized after my first couple of years, I started really catching on. I was rookie of the year in sales. I started building my business there. And all of a sudden I realized I'm running around selling 60 or 70 houses a year and I don't have a single second to myself. Every girlfriend I've ever had has now at this point told me, You love your job. All you do is work. You're never going to get married. You're never going to have time for a wife or kids. I'm out of here. So now I'm starting to kind of reflect like, hey, I got in this business for a completely different reason. And now I'm getting the completely opposite effect of that reason. So it made me start to search and look for a better model. I'm a big systems and models guy. I'm looking for what can take me to the next level. Who's already done it? How can I follow that plan so that I can succeed as well? And that's when I came across the Red Book, MREA, Millionaire Real Estate Agent, by Gary Keller and Jim Papazon. I read that book, and that book, the entire description is how you go from a solo agent to somebody who's running a real estate team and netting a million dollars a year. Now, that's a game plan. That's a model. That's a system. I can get behind this. I want to get on this train where I'm going to go towards netting a million dollars a year and not working every day in the business. So that was my start. I was in the business for 10 years with Remax. I went from, you know, obviously selling zero when I first started up to about 16 million by year 10. I thought I was doing well, but if you really look at my numbers, year probably seven, eight, nine, and 10 were all 14, 16, 14 and a half, 15 and a half, 16. I really have plateaued. 
And the reason was because I'd run out of time. There's no more time to sell when you're already at 60 or 70 transactions. So I got into the Red Book, really started to learn, understanding the model of how to build a team. Eventually, I joined Keller Williams. When I joined Keller Williams, now I'm surrounded by like-minded people who are looking to go from being a real estate agent to a business owner. And they're following the model systems to get there. I dive right into all the education, all the classes, all the masterminds, anything I can get my hands on so that I can become this business owner rather than this real estate agent. My business went from 16 million to 32 million, from 32 million to 53 million, from 53 million to 86 million. And now this year, our fourth year, we are on pace to about 130 million. So here I was kind of floundering at 14 to 16 million mark for a couple of years. And now I'm jumping, almost doubling in size every year because I've understood the models and I've understood the teachings and I've gone to the classes and I've learned how to build this as a business. So now I'm in a position where I don't have to work every night. I don't have to work every weekend. I have time for my family. My wife and I are planning our family right now. She looks at me and says, wow, I can't believe you've built such a business that gives you the availability of your time to have a balance. It's not all work, not all home. It's a balance. And that's really kind of the spot I'm sitting in now. I'm looking at more passive income. I've bought properties over the years to build that. I've invested in multifamily units with other business owners, other realtors. I know I've kept up with the Robert Kiyosaki message of buying assets and gaining passive income, but I've also looked at building a business and growing the business. So that's really where I am now. I'm in the process of buying a Keller Williams franchise. So not only will I have my team, I'll actually own an office as well. That's how much I believe in the company and I believe in the models and systems. And then we're also looking at expansion right now. So we're looking at several different market centers where we're going to put sales teams that are part of our organization now, but we're going to have some outside sales on top of what we have now with our real estate team. Nick, that was a fantastic background. Thank you so much for sharing with us. Let me go back and just cover a couple quick bases to make sure I got some things. So it sounds to me If I got things right, you've been in the business for about 15 years. Is that correct? That's exactly right. And last year, just to give everybody perspective, I think you said you did about 86 million in sales volume. Do you recall how many units you sold? It was right around 250. Maybe it was 270, maybe it was 240, something in that range. Our average sales price is around 337,000, whatever that works out to be. Do you recall your GCI last year? Yep, our GCI last year was 2.25 million. You just mentioned you went through some massive growth. It sounds like the real push for that growth, the real reason that that occurred was that you transferred over and you start to build a team. Rather than run as a solo agent, you're running as a team. Is that true? That's 100% true. I used to think that only I could do it, only my clients wanted me, and nobody else could do the job that I'm doing. And I quickly realized that if I wanted to get to the next level, I had to break through that limited belief or that feeling that I was placing on myself. Now I have a team of, we're now up to 21 to date. And my clients and the people that work with our team get a much better customer service, much better expertise. I mean, they're working with a group of us with all the same commitment to get them to that closing table. So where I used to be doing everything. 
trying to remember to make sure every I was dotted, T was crossing the contract, making sure that deposit check got deposited. And then, oh, I got to get inspections ordered. And oh, crap, I forgot to order title. And let me check with the lender. And I'm trying to run around and try to do everything. Now, there's a specific person on my team for each one of those activities. So when we get a contract in, there's somebody who is trained to go over every single contract and look for any missing dotted I's or crossing T's to make sure it's all perfect. There's somebody who orders all the inspections. There's somebody who communicates with title. There's somebody who communicates with our lenders. All of a sudden, our process is so much more efficient, which gives the customer service a huge boost. And all of a sudden, our customers are thrilled because we're on top of everything. There's nothing getting dropped. Everything gets handled because everybody has a specific job. I like to look at it like when you're going to a restaurant. If you go to a food truck and it's one guy and he's taking your order and then he's running to the back and he's prepping the food and he's trying to make it and he runs back out to take the order of the person behind you and then he runs back to check the food again and make sure he didn't burn it and then he's trying to plate it up but he's starting to get a line for him so he comes out and takes a few more orders and he runs back, grabs your food. He's running around like a crazy person. The quality of food that you're going to get there compared to you walk into a restaurant and there's someone who greets you at the door. Then they come over and they sit you at a table. A waiter approaches you and they fill your water glass. Then they go to the bar. A bartender makes the exact drink you were looking for. It's delivered by the waitress or waiter. They go back. They tell you the specials. There's chefs in the back that are absolutely fantastic at what they do. And they're focused on nothing else but cooking that food. The owner comes out, greets you after, asks you how the meal was, makes sure you had a great time, and escorts you out. That experience is so much better for the end consumer. And that's why when you look at the difference between a single agent and a team, single agent just can't compete. That's really excellent. You're talking about the service between solo and team. You've also talked about the time for the person running the organization. You've captured more of your time. Let's go back to one other concept there, and that is the money. And what I mean by that is the money you're taking home. When you were a solo agent, what was the most number of transactions that you were able to do in one year? I believe it was somewhere around the 60, 70 range. So let's do 65. So that's pretty spectacular. That's incredibly productive as an individual. Last year, you closed 244 transactions running a team. And here's the question. The bottom line number that you take home to your family, was it more when you were running as a solo agent or is it more now that you're running as a team? Oh, God. I'm quadrupling, if not quintupling, what I was making when I was a solo agent. Because remember, as a solo agent, when you look at that GCI, my GCI might have been 450 my best year ever, maybe 400, something like that. And now my GCI is $2.25 When you're a solo agent, your profit margin is better. So maybe I'm making 60% of that, something like that. So 60% of 400 compared to somewhere between 30 and 35% of 2.2 million. I think you can do the simple math there. (laughs) It's a lot more profitable. But the biggest difference is not just the money. The money is great. And I'll never say that that's not part of it, but it's, The idea that you can grow a business that doesn't require you to be there 24 hours a day. And then once you get into this position where I don't have to work evenings, I don't have to work weekends. In fact, when I work, I'm working because I want to work. I want to grow the business and I want to do something else. And now I'm going back and I'm teaching the agents on my team how to get out of that rat race of being a single agent. And now I have 
three people on my team right now that are profiting off of what they're teaching and growing as far as the younger agents. And every single one of those younger agents, I'm already have them on a plan of how they can get to a point where they can start hiring and growing and start making money in a way that doesn't require their everyday attention. It sounds like you're creating sub teams, teams underneath the team umbrella. 100%. Because here's the deal. If that was my goal, if I look at it and say, okay, my end goal is to have a really good balance between family and work, as well as make a lot of money, why would that not be anyone else's goal? Why would I be hiring people that would say, hey, Nick, as long as you have balance in your family, we're good. We'll just work our butts off. No way. You have to give them the same opportunities that you got. The difference is I had to go out and find them all myself. I had to go put them all together. I have a set plan for every single person that works for me on how they can get to that next level, how they can get from sales into hiring and from hiring into leadership. So if anybody's listening, you have a piece of paper and pen in front of you. What I want you to do is I want you to draw a triangle. Okay, so draw a triangle. In that triangle, cut it twice. So once close to the top, so it has a peak, and then once about in the middle. So now there's three sections of that triangle. Does that make sense? Yes. All right. Now, in that the bottom of the triangle, I want you to write sales. So that is the sales world. Why do we all get into sales compared to any other job? Nine out of 10 people are going to tell you, yeah, bigger opportunity commission, right? I can make a lot more money, and the more I sell, the more I make. Is there a limit to how much money you can make in sales? Yes, it's how much time you have, but it's much higher than if you were to work dollar per hour. Agreed. So we know that there is a time limit. So that line above sales, that's your ceiling. You can only sell five houses a day or eight houses a day or 10 houses a day or whatever the number is that you can physically do. For me, it was in that 60 to 70 a year. So you have a limit to your time. So the next section above that in that triangle, write the word hiring, H-I-R-I-N-G, hiring. All of a sudden, if I only sell so many in a day, what if I hired people to help me sell? Now, instead of one of us, there'd be two or three or four many people I hired to help me sell. Now, is there a limit to how much money I can make? Uh, not really. Maybe. Maybe how many people you could hire and manage. Now you're thinking. So now we go right back to time. How many people can I hire in a day? Is it two? Is it five? Is it 10? Is it 30? There's going to be a limit. So again, we have a ceiling there. There's always a ceiling called time. So again, we have to realize that. We're going to make more money? Absolutely. But we're always going to have a ceiling. So at the very top of the pyramid is leadership. And leadership is where every single person that works for me is where I want them to go. Not every single person wants to go there, and that's okay. But if they want to go there, that's what I'm trying to do. So what is leadership? Leadership is taking people from the sales organization or the sales rung of that triangle and getting them into a position where they can start hiring so they can start growing their own business and they can start understanding how they can leverage other people. Then it's getting those people up into the leadership which what is leadership? Leadership is teaching salespeople how to hire and then teaching people that know how to hire how to go back and start the whole circle again. So everything is about trying to go from sales to hiring, hiring to leadership. And leadership is teaching salespeople how to hire and then teaching them how to get their hires to hire. I need to ask a question there. You're building up these sub teams underneath your umbrella. 
Do you have a fear that these people will learn what you're doing and spin out on their own? So that's a great question. So why do people leave an organization? Typically, they leave an organization because they hit a ceiling and they can't move forward. Their opportunities are limited. That's when people get unhappy, when they're limited by their opportunities. So in my organization, we have a sales team right here in my office in Columbia, Maryland. And we have two people that have people underneath them that they train, they consult, and they grow, and they get a percentage of every house that that person sells. So now they're selling houses themselves and making money, and they're also making money off of the people that they're teaching how to get into the sales game, right? So they're in the second side of the triangle. Now, let's say one of those people gets really good and they're like, hey, I want to start growing people. And I say, that's fantastic. What we're going to do is we're going to move out to a location 30 minutes from here, 45 minutes from here, an hour from here. And you're going to start a new sales team in that spot. And now your job, not only to sell, but it's also to go out and hire and grow salespeople. And your job is to grow those salespeople into great producing agents who also want to hire and grow people. So now the person that is the original leader that was here in this office now has one of their agents out at another location building another sales team. In my location in Maryland, our goal is to open five expansion offices in the next three years and do over a billion dollars in production a year. We have more than enough properties in this area that we could grow for a long, long time. And when we run out of properties here, we have Philadelphia above us. We have Washington, D.C. below us. We have Northern Virginia to the west. We have so much opportunity to grow, 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 grow. The difference between doing it here with me on my team compared to going off and do it on their own, I'm keeping them focused on the only thing they need to do, which is hire and grow salespeople and create leaders out of those salespeople. Everything with the admin, everything with our models, our systems, our processes, our lead generation, our marketing, everything we do is taken care of by the team. The only thing they have to focus on is what they're good at, which is sales, hiring, and teaching salespeople. So could somebody go off and do it on their own? Absolutely. And I wouldn't have any hard feelings about it. Could they get as big as fast without the support of all the models, systems, all of the admin support, all the lead generation, all the marketing, everything that we do for those agents, no chance. So they stay not because of any other reason than they have the best opportunity to grow the biggest sales business they possibly could right here in our bubble. I'm listening to you. You're talking about your sales agents and these opportunities for them. I'm sure people are listening to us and wondering, what is the compensation program for these salespeople these sales agents, when they're just doing the sales alone, and then you add this other layer of hiring, how does that work? What does that look like to them? Okay. So we start off every new salesperson hire. So real quick, let me just back up. When an organization grows, like I'm talking about, and the growth is coming, every time we grow, it's great for every single person on the team, on the admin staff, on the lead generation staff. The bigger we get with salespeople, the more money we have to pump back into all the other systems and all the other groups, which means if you're one of three admin and all of a sudden we have to grow 10 admin, one of those people or even two of those people are going to move up into a management position. They're going to be able to earn more money and they're going to be able to grow their skills as well. So opportunity on my team is all the way across the board. It doesn't just happen with salespeople. Now, so compensation on my team is 
Very simple. We bring all of our agents in as ISAs. Now, an ISA is an inside sales agent. Their job is to learn lead generation and prospect for business. So they typically spend about three months in that position where they're on the phone six to seven hours a day. Now, I don't know if anybody has any ISA teams out there, but that is a grind. My personal belief, and this is only my belief, it doesn't mean it's right, is you're not going to keep somebody with true talent in that position for much longer. They're going to burn out after six months, after a year, two years at the max. So for me, I want to bring somebody in. I want to put them in that lead generation position. I want them hammering the phones for six, seven hours a day. And I want them talking to thousands of people about real estate. And during that time, we're teaching them our script. We're teaching them our philosophies. We're teaching them our marketing. Why do people work with our team? Why do people choose our team? By doing that and creating this system where they're talking to thousands of people about real estate, what do they become? They become really, really smart and really, really educated as to why work with us, how to handle any incoming objections, and it also teaches them what to say and how to say it. So they gain a lot of confidence and they get good quick. After that three months, we call it 90 days of pain, they're in there and they're grinding through, but there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Hey, if you can bust your butt and be in there for six to seven hours a day for 90 days, there's a light. At the end of the 90 days, they move into a role of ISA slash showing agent. Now, what that means is the first half of their day from 8 a.m. till 12 or 12.30, they're an ISA. They're making four hours a call a day. So they're going from seven hours to four hours, a much needed break. The other half of their day is now they're out with the agents and they're learning the showing process. So they're starting to learn how we take clients out, how we set up properties, how we show them houses, how we help them determine what's the best property for them. So this gives them a chance to be out of the office, building rapport, understanding people, understanding the market, seeing houses, and really starting to get into the groove of real estate. They're already speaking it. They're already mentally there. And when they're out with clients, they're great because they've already heard all the objections. They already know what to say. But now they're getting the face-to-face time to build rapport. So typically, it's three to four months as an ISA slash showing agent where they're out there and they're helping a buyer agent on the team, their client find a house. So how it works, buyer agent goes in. They have a consult with a client. Great. What are you looking for? They do a needs analysis. They set up a search. And all of a sudden, that client calls and says, hey, agent, I want to go see these three houses this weekend. How does Saturday work? Well, I've taught my agent that, again, got to be balanced between work and family. So they have the right to leverage their time and use a showing agent when they want to. So they say, great, here's what we have. We have a showing agent who's going to take out to show you all those properties. They'll meet you there, blah, blah, blah. Showing agent goes out, shows all the property, builds rapport, helps them define their needs as far as what they want, which means coming back and adjusting the search that they have, or maybe they raise their hand and said, Hey, we love this house. And they say, great. I'm going to have your agent call you right away. We'll get started on the paperwork. We'll get rolling on the comps and we'll get you in this house. And then the agent takes back over. The showing agent is now learning and they're making a larger commission split and they're learning about how this whole process works. So what they want to do is they want to now go hip to hip with the agent and say, Hey, show me how you put a contract together. Great. How do you call the other agent? What do you say? Show me the negotiations. What do you do with your client? They go through all the process of understanding how it all works. During that three months, they're basically learning how to become an agent. At the same time, when they get a lead for a listing, 
and the listing agent goes out to meet with that client, they go with them. And now they have a chance to shadow and see how the listing side is done. So now the first three months was all lead generation and learning real estate. The next three months is all about continuing to build their pipeline, which is that first four hours every single day. And then it's learning how to be a listing agent, how to be a buyer's agent. So at the end of that six, seven months, they're now fully equipped to go out and take listings and sell buyers. So they continue their ISA role because now instead of calling it an ISA role, we just call it lead generation. Well, my team, you have to lead generate. That's how you get business. For every deal that you bring in, the team matches you with another deal. We are prospecting based and we're marketing enhanced. Prospecting is how we get our business and we double it with our marketing. So every time an agent goes out and they find somebody their sphere or they did an open house and they have somebody that says they want to buy a house, every time they get a client and close that client on a house, we give them a second client to work. And then as soon as they finish that client, they go out and they find another one for themselves and then we hand them another fish. You go catch a fish, we'll give you another fish. More opportunity to stay in, in where they want to be with buying and selling houses, working with clients. All the transaction coordination, all of the marketing, everything else is done for them. They don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Now, they get in this role. This role can last anywhere from two, three, four, five years, as long as that person's happy and wants to be in that role. It's not my job to tell somebody they have to move or they have to change. If they're happy and they're making good money and they like their life, more power to them. But the second somebody comes to me and says, hey, had a really good year, but I'm ready for something more, or I've had a baby and I want more time with my kids, or I'm tired of running weekends, whatever it is, they're looking for more. I'm there. So the first thing we teach them is, okay, great. Here's your new, here's your new job. Besides buying and selling houses with your clients, which you still have to do because that's how you make your money. Now you're going to be on the hunt for people. You're going to be on the hunt for finding people to hire them. You're going to go out, you're going to find them. We're going to interview them together. And I'm going to teach you the hiring process. I'm going to teach you how to identify the best candidates that are going to do well in our system. We bring them in. Once they're hired, they go right through the same path that every agent goes to. They go right into our training system. They go right into our ISA role. They move up to a showing agent. When they become a showing agent, they're a showing agent for the agent who found them, for the one who created that opportunity for that person now they have an opportunity to continue working with them. And also, remember, on that weekend, they don't have to go out and show houses because they have a showing agent to help them. That showing agent deserves every right to keep moving up as well. So they move into a buyer agent role. And now the original agent becomes a lead agent. So they're the lead buyer agent for that agent. So every time that agent has a problem, every time something comes up, you know, if they're new, they're just getting out of that showing agent role. So they're going to have issues and problems. Their lead agent is there for them. The lead agent makes commission off of the agent as well. It does not reduce the current agent split. It comes off of the team split. So the current agent, nothing changes about them, but the lead agent is the one that handles the problems, the issues, the successes, the failures, all that stuff. And they learn how to be a leader. They might stay in that role for a number of years. They might never leave that role. That's okay too. But there's going to be an agent who says, I want more. You already have a lead agent here in this office. I'd like to be a lead agent in another office. Great. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to set you up as an expansion partner. You're going to open up a sales division of our team in a different market center, in a different office, and you're going to start growing salespeople underneath you. You're going to start the entire trend again. 
you're still going to get all of the operational, all the systems, all the models, all the marketing, all the lead generation, all the transaction support. Your job is just to sell houses. We take care of the rest. And now we give every agent the opportunity to go out and start their own team and start their own group where they only have to focus on one thing, sales. We take care of everything else. Now, a quick word from our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television, where top agents reveal exactly how they create consistent flows of home buyer and home seller leads into their practices every month. Need more leads? Hit the pause button right now. Open Google and search RealGTV. That's R-E-A-L-G dot TV. Now, back to the show. Let me see if I got this right. They'll start out as an ISA, an inside sales agent, mm-hmm. for maybe three months. Then they get a graduate up to ISA showing agent for another three months or so. Correct. Uh, then they become a sales agent on their own. Then they become a hiring agent. And then they become an expansion partner. ISA is prospecting. The showing agent also has shadowing with it. The sales agent is performing the actions, hiring. You're moving to become a mentor. And the expansion partner is really running a satellite, a satellite office. 100%. Uh, that's pretty pretty in-depth. Yeah, that's incredible. What a concept. Can you help us now that we have a big outline of what's going on? How do these people earn compensation in each of those roles? Sure. So for the first three months as an ISA, there's a $2,000 salary comes from the team and they make a 5% commission on any of the outbound leads that they get. So if they are circle prospecting for sale by owners, buyers, their own fear, whatever it is, anywhere they get a business, they get 5% of that commission to them and the agents have to do all the work. They just have to set up the lead. Once they move into a showing agent role, they stay as an ISA, so they're still making 5% off of any deals that they secure. The $2,000 a month drops off, but now the showing agent commission kicks in, which is 15%. You get 15% plus the five if it's your own deal, or 15% if it's just one of the team deals, because the five is already to somebody else. So that's okay, too. They're going to do a lot more deals on the team side. So that really ups the income compared to losing that $2,000 a month. When they graduate to an agent, it's 40% for any team deal, 45% for any self-generated deal. And remember, for every deal you do, we give you one. So you generate one yourself for 45%, we give you another one at the same value for 40%. When you move into a lead agent role, you get an extra 5% bump. So it jumps to between 45 or 50 on your own deals. So 45 is a team deal, 50 if it's your own deal. Plus, you get 5% of whatever anybody under you is doing. So any of the agents that you're mentoring, every time they sell a house, you're getting a 5% bump on that. When you move from a lead agent to an expansion partner, or when you just jump from an, an agent to an expansion partner and just uh, leapfrog the lead agent role, you end up with the same 5% boost same 5% off of everything under you. And then you also get 15% of the profit of that satellite office. So each satellite office or each expansion partner uh, has a P&L and we look at that P&L and now you're a true business owner. Now you're making a percentage of the profits on top of getting all the commissions and everything else. And if I add that all up correctly, it sounds like if they go to expansion, you're about 70% in your costs to your salespeople, and so 30% is left to run the operation and throw out some profit. Uh, no. 
So the most it would ever cost the team is uh, a deal would be 50%. Ah, I got to go back and run my numbers then. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah. Let's say it was a generated lead for an agent. That's 45%. Plus they have a lead agent of some sort. That's five more percent. That's a total of 50% and then 50% to the team. Now on the listing side, it's slightly different. The listing side, when you bring a deal to the listing side and you're a listing agent, we give you two deals. So for every one deal you bring, we give you two. The commission there is 20% if it's a team deal, 25% if it's a self-generated deal. But again, for every deal you bring, we give you two more. So you're going to end up doing three deals for every one you bring. The difference there is our leverage is very, very strong. When you get a listing, your job is very simple. Find the lead, convert that lead into a signed listing agreement, negotiate the offer. Everything from staging the house, the pictures, to the sign, to the brochure, to all the responding back feedback, making a phone call every single week to every single seller to make sure they're doing well. All of that is handled by our staff. The only thing you do is go out and focus on finding new buyers or new sellers. And then the second an offer comes in, you step back in, you negotiate the offer. So the seller side is a lot more leveraged. But again, every listing you bring in, you get two. Every buyer you bring in, you get one. Does that make sense? Very good. And that makes a lot of sense to me that it would be less on the listing side. It's less work for the agent to put together and more cost for the team to promote that listing. So it makes complete sense. So what it ends up being is total cost for a buy side for the team is 50%, 45% to the agent, 5% to the lead agent. Total cost on the listing side is 30%, 25% to the agent, 5% to the lead agent. So when you're working 50% of your buyers and 50% of your sellers, you should be at about a cost of goods of about 40%. Do you mind if I run through one real quick with you in case I just have my math wrong? Let's say that this is a team-generated piece of business. Uh, Let's say a buyer. Uh, The ISA found the buyer, so that's 5%. And then a showing agent takes that buyer around. That's another 15%. So now we're at 20%. And then the lead agent, the sales agent, is going to help that buyer put the contract together. That's another 40%. Now I'm up to 60%. If they have a mentor, that's another 5%. And so in my mind, I'm up at 65%. Did I miss something? Yeah, I can see exactly what you're doing. So let's say that an ISA finds a deal, that's 5%. Okay. Then he gives it to a buyer agent who now makes 40% because it's a team deal. So we have a total of 45%. That buyer agent has a choice of collecting that 40% or they can leverage a showing agent in case they have to give 15% of that up to the showing agent because, again, that agent's not doing all their work anymore. Now that makes sense. Okay, the sales agent, they get to make that decision as to whether they're going to use a showing agent or not. If they choose to use a showing agent, that's fine, but then they will be compensating them with part of their commission. Instead of 40, they'll get 25. Exactly. So what happens is on any given Saturday, if you have one client that wants to go out and see property, most likely as an agent, you're going to take that client out. But let's say it's spring market and you're really hot and you have a ton of buyers and you have four people that want to go out on Saturday and five people that want to go out on Sunday. Physically, I don't know if you're going to be able to do that. But if you use a showing agent and you're able to leverage your time, they take two out on Saturday, you take two out on Saturday. 
They take two out on Sunday. You take three out on Sunday. So now we have a total of nine buyers out looking at houses. What are the chances half of those four, five people are going to say, yeah, I want to make a deal. Now let's take the other reverse. Let's say you don't take them out and you say, oh, I'm not using a showing agent. I don't want the leverage. I'm doing it all myself. The first day, you still can only take three out of the four out. Second day, you still can only take three out of the four out. So now you've taken six out. Again, 50% of them are going to make an offer. So now you have a chance of selling three houses, where if you use the leverage, you had a chance of selling four or five. And freeing up that time, super valuable. It makes complete sense. Your agents, your regular sales agents, how many of them utilize the showing agent? Are all of them doing that or half of them? How many are doing that? Um, It's a mindset and and it's an education process. The average agent, when they first start selling, is hungry for money and they're not in a position where they want to be giving anything up. So they're going to be keeping everything themselves. When they get to a threshold, it's usually 42, 48, 54, 60 deals, probably the most. Somewhere in that range, and it depends on the person, they're going to find that their comfort in life starts changing. All of a sudden, selling 60 houses a year, their time commitment is very high, and that time is coming away from their family. So typically, that's the range where they get to a point and they say, you know what, I'm ready to start using a showing agent. And what we found is the agents that are smart and start realizing, wow, these showing agents can really come in helpful, they end up start selling 80, 90. Uh, We had a guy last year who sold 120 of the homes by using showing agents for probably 80% of his deals. You call these folks sales agents. They're not called listing agent or a buyer agent. It sounds like they can work with either buyers or sellers. Number one, did you do that on purpose? And why'd you do that? That's a great question. And that did not happen overnight. We started off very segmented. You were either a listing agent or you were a buyer agent, period. When you had a lead come in from prospecting, you had to turn that lead over to the other side. And what we found was that was tough. You know, you're out there trying to to beat up business and you're doing everything you can to find business. And then your best friend from college calls and says, hey, I want to sell my house. I know you're doing great in real estate. I'd love to work with you. And you have to say, oh, actually, I'm just a buyer's agent or "I, I am a buyer's agent, not a listing agent. So let me connect you with my listing agent. The listing agent doesn't have the same rapport, doesn't have the same bond, doesn't have the same anything with that client. That was your buddy from college. So what we've determined is when it's a self-generated lead on either side, you can work it. When it's a team lead, you know, somebody calls off of our marketing, somebody comes in off the internet, we're going to give that lead, buyer or listing lead, we're going to give that lead to whoever the agent is that's specifically geared towards that. So we have a buy side and a list side. But either side can work both if they're self-generated. If it's a team lead, it goes to the side that it should. But if it's self-generated, they absolutely can work it. And what we found is, one, it makes all the agents better. When a listing agent has to take a few buyers out a month or a few buyers a year, they get to see the other side of the process and they get to be a better listing agent because they understand everything better. When the buy side gets to sell five, 10, 15 properties a year, they become a better buyer agent because now they know exactly what the listing agent goes through and what it's like to be on that side. So we've found that it becomes, you get better, well-rounded agents. You also 
agents are happier because they get to work their own deal, especially if they already have the rapport with the client. Why would you want to change that? And you get more utility players because when you get out to become an expansion partner, you absolutely have to work both sides until you start hiring. So you have to be able to do both sides when you're an expansion. So if your goal is to make a million dollars and we can have you at about a million dollars in five years and as an expansion partner, you got to learn how to do both sides. So sales agents can go either way. They can work with sellers or buyers. However, internally, you have a notification system for your own leads that if it's a seller, for instance, you're probably going to give that to your most experienced person who's done a lot of work with sellers in the past. Exactly. And that also allows them to kind of specialize over there. Even though it's a lower compensation per listing, they can do a lot of volume because they can get really good at that process. Right, exactly. So the commission is lower, yes, but the opportunity is bigger and the leverage is bigger. Opportunity being for every one you bring in, we give you two. And the leverage is bigger for every listing you bring in. 90% of the work is done by the team. How long have you been doing it so that you call these folks sales agents and they can go either way? How long have you been doing it that way where they're not just a buyer agent or a listing agent, they're both? Probably in the last two years, frankly, because we started becoming so much more prospecting based. Our prospecting has gone up considerably. And therefore, the number of referrals and repeat business has gone up significantly. So that's really what caused it, is the more business we have coming in from our sphere, from our past clients, from our events, it creates the desire to work both sides. Let's talk about that. You're generating, if I understand correctly, about two-thirds of your business, about 66% of your business is coming from repeat and referral from past clients and sphere of influence. You mentioned that you're prospecting based. I assume that means that you're contacting these people frequently. Let's dive into that and get a better understanding of it. How big is your database of past clients and sphere of influence? Past clients and sphere of influence, we probably have a single database for the team of around 1,000 people. And then each agent is constantly adding people to that as well. When you bring somebody into the database, if it's your own personal sphere, it gets labeled as your own personal sphere, and you're the only one that can call those people. When we have internet leads, I mean, thousands upon thousands of other lead sources go into a different bucket that's more of a, anybody can jump on anything in here, you know, good luck. But our actual sphere and the people that we really know and have met those are the people that get touched on a regular basis. So it's real simple. Our team has three touches that each agent is expected to do. For every single person in your personal sphere database, they get one call every quarter. They get one Facebook message every quarter. And they get one handwritten note every quarter. So now what you're doing is you're purposely staying in front of your clients. So once a quarter, the call could be as simple as, hey, I was just driving by your neighborhood, thinking about you and the family, how are you loving the new house? Or it could be, you know, hey, I just want to give you a call. The Walner Winters team is putting on a great customer appreciation event, and I'd love for you to come. Or it could be the Walner Winters team charity, which is the Walner Winters team cares, is putting on another event. Now we're not looking for any donations because we don't accept donations from our clients. But what we are looking for is anybody that you know who wants to buy or sell we can add another $100 to the charity. The money is going this year to buying gifts 
at the Ronald McDonald House for all the kids in the hospital that can't go home for Christmas. So we give them different reasons to call. Facebook's even easier. You go on Facebook and the message could be, oh my God, that's the cutest puppy I've ever seen. When did you get her? Or, oh my God, great new car. That's awesome. Whatever it is, you're just creating a conversation to make sure that you're remembered. NAR states that 92% of people say, I would use my realtor again. Yet, there's a significant amount that don't. And the reason is because they lose that top of mind status. And nobody wants to call and hear, hey, it's your agent, just checking, want to buy or sell? No, you just told me this two years ago. Great. Do you know anybody else that wants to buy or sell? No, thanks for calling. At what point do you just stop answering that call? For us, you need to have a purpose for calling and you need to be adding value. The three touches per quarter, basically, that'd be 12 touches per year. And so now you're keeping everybody busy on the database. You mentioned that you have a thousand people in the database. It sounds like everyone on the team puts in their own sphere. All the agents, do your admin, do they also add their sphere? That's a really good question. Our admin do not. They're not on the phone. It's not in their instincts. It's not in their behavioral style. I would love to tell you that we have every admin doing it as well, and they're making their phone calls. But the truth is, the admin staff are very, very hardworking, and they have a specific task, and it's not lead generation. So we're okay with them focusing on what they do best. And some people will say that there's probably a missed opportunity there. And, you know, I'd probably agree and disagree. I think that the girls work really hard at what they're doing, and I want to keep them in their comfort zone and in, in what they enjoy. Where do you keep all of these leads? Do you have a database that you keep them in? We do. So we have used every database out there. We have started with an Excel spreadsheet and just wrote everything down. We use Top Agent. We use Top Producer. We use Agent Connect. We tried, I mean, you name it. We follow up boss. We've gone everywhere. And it wasn't until about two years ago that we started hearing about Commissions Inc. And Commissions Inc., if anybody doesn't know, was just purchased for an ungodly amount of money. They were given an ungodly amount of money. Then they went out and bought Tiger Leads, which was probably the biggest competitor to Boomtown. They've put all this together, all this research and development, all this money behind it. They're on their 10th stage of their app on their phone so that all the agents don't mind using the system. One of the hardest things we found is when the agents don't use it, it's worthless. So Commissions Inc. in the last six months to eight months has really changed the game as far as what their system's like. We moved over to them, and we haven't looked back. Our return on investment on the lead generation side is about eight to one right now. So for every dollar we put into that lead generation, and they use Google AdWords, they use SEO, they use Facebook, they use all the different methods they do, which I'm not a big guru in any of that stuff. So I want to give you my money, and I want a good return. They do everything for us, and they do it at a really high level. So it's a combination of an incredible CRM with also this advertising lead generation portion that works. And it works at a lower cost per lead than most other systems we've found. So Commissions Inc., if you have any desire, send me an email. I'll fetch up with my girl, Jamie. She's absolutely incredible. Uh, Nick at WaldnerWinnersTeam.com. Shoot me an email. I'll send, you, uh, I'll send you her email. She's awesome. She can absolutely help you out. Are you keeping your past clients in that same database? Yes. Our past clients absolutely stay in that database. They get the same phone calls, the same emails, the same Facebook touches. 
the same invites to all of our client appreciation parties? Absolutely. So you've got the three touches per quarter, but you're also mentioning some events and parties. What's going on there? So twice a year, we have a client appreciation party. You can do anything for these. Anything you do is usually a huge success. You bring a bunch of people together, you put a theme around it, you give them food and drink, and everybody's happy. A lot of the success of these events are not actually the people that show up. The success is the fact that you invited somebody and you took the time to give them a call and give them a personal invitation. So think about a time where somebody said, hey, I got tickets to the uh, baseball game tonight. Can you go? And you say, oh, no, I already have plans. Thanks for the offer. I really appreciate it. How do you feel about that person? Awesome. Yeah, you feel really good about somebody who thought of you in the last possible second to use some tickets that he might have had for a couple of weeks, months, or years. But we don't think about that. The only thing we think is, wow, that was really cool that they thought of me to go to that game with them, even though I couldn't go. So the client appreciation party, most people think, oh, you got to get four, five, 700 people to your party. That's not the case. The point is you're offering something of value. Hey, I appreciate you. I miss seeing your smiling face and love for you to come out. This, this week, we're doing a football watch party. We're going to watch the Ravens play uh, Dallas, and we have this big space rented out. It should be great. Next time, we're going to do this Easter egg hunt. We'd love for you to bring the kids. We'll have pictures with the Easter bunny. It'll be great. The next time we're going to do this, it doesn't matter the events. You come up with all kinds of event ideas, but do it twice a year. Give your entire team a chance to call and invite people and make them feel wanted. And you'll have people that will show up. Oh, man, this is the first one I've been to. You guys have been inviting me for this for five years, and this is the first date that really worked for my family. I'm so glad we were able to be here. How many clients from five years ago remember you and think so highly of you? even though you didn't even see them because they didn't show up for the last five years. If you're not making those phone calls and you're not inviting them to events like that, they've forgotten about you and I'm going to get their business as soon as they remember they want to sell again. Nick, thank you so much for walking through your repeating referrals. You started to talk about your internet lead generation. Uh, If I understand, that's around 20% of your business or so. You're using Commissions Inc. in the back end. You start to talk about how you're generating those leads in. What is the source of those internet leads? Yeah, so most of those internet leads are coming from any type of advertising. It could be something on our listings on Zillow, our sign calls. It could be something that we're doing with Sync. Sync does a lot of our lead generation and marketing. I'm not the big guru on that stuff. I don't know a ton about it. I'm much, much, much more of a relationship guy. But I know that lead generation and, and the internet is important. So we stay all over it, but we use people that are better at it than we are and let them run it. So we use a combination of all those things. I'd say Sync is our number one as far as getting us the most and best leads. We also do stuff with Zillow and Trulia and Realtor.com and all the other crappy sites that I hope go away one day. And you said your return has been an eight to one. Do you recall what your cost per lead or cost per sale is then? That's a good question. I don't remember that exactly. We track... Instead of for lead, what we track is return on investment. So we only look at what's closed, not just leads. We look at what's closed. We have a minimum of a three to one. If it's not getting three to one, we get rid of it completely. And our goal is obviously anything higher. When we have a result like eight to one, we've been enjoying right now, 
we end up putting more and more money into it. So we'll keep increasing our spend there every month until we start to see that go down. Anything you put money into, it's not going to always be eight to one forever. But if we jump to 2,000, 5,000, 10,000 hours a month in there, and we're still at three to one or better, we'll continue pouring money in there. You mentioned that you've been on this incredibly fast-paced, massive growth path, you know, 16 million all the way up to anticipate 130 million this year. And that's basically in just under five years. Where do you see this thing going? How big do you want to make it? I think you mentioned earlier, you have an objective of getting to a billion dollars in sales. Uh, When is your timeline for that? A hundred percent. It's called the road to a billion. We have it posted up in our office. We talk about it. We've brought it up in meetings. We've mapped out exactly how we do it, how many people we need, where do those people go. We have an org chart that shows exactly who's in that org chart, how many houses each person is selling, how many admin staff we have, how much money we're spending in lead generation. We have that completely mapped out. We talk about it constantly. So the way that works is we, our hub is in Columbia, Maryland, which is in the center part of Maryland. We have five locations that all are within an hour from our main hub. Each one of those locations will house its own real estate team, its real estate sales team. Those expansion offices are expected to do $120 million in the next five years. And the hub is going to increase from 130 to $400 million. That is a total of a billion in production. Now, most people look at a billion and they think that's an incredible amount of business. How can you even do that? We are blessed that we are in a market that is a massive, massive market. Our Baltimore, Maryland market is huge. If we do a billion in real estate, we will be less than 2% of our MLS. So even though that sounds like a massive number, in terms of the amount of opportunity that are here in this area, it's not that massive. It's such a big number, and it's hard to imagine with the dollar amount. Can you help us out by telling us how many units you anticipate that being and maybe how many people you would see on your team at that point? Sure. That would be, I got to do the math. That's, that's what I'm doing. That would be 2,850 units, and that would be about, about 100 agents. Let's call it 100 agents. That's pretty spectacular, although I think we could get our mind around 100. It's a large group, but we could see that, especially spread out over five markets. That's pretty exciting. When is your goal to achieve that? In the next five years. We want to open up the first expansion office in the next six months, probably even sooner. I'm in the process of buying a market center, like I mentioned earlier, and that'll be the location of our first expansion sales team. Well, Nick, what drives you? What drives me, it goes back to my internal desire to constantly grow and improve along with this desire to teach. I used to have the most passion for getting a client into their first house or helping somebody buy that first house. And I used to sit at the settlement table and be just as excited as my client. Then as I started doing it more and more and more, unfortunately, my excitement for the 56 or 67th or 70th one of the year just wasn't as high. And I started to worry about that and think, you know, this isn't right. I shouldn't be in a position where I'm not as excited as they are. So I realized that as the volume increased, I started thinking about home inspections and financing contingencies and appraisals and everything else of other deals while I was sitting there while these people were doing their first deal. So 
this desire to grow, increase, expand, and get opportunity is also matched with this desire to help, coach, train, provide. And all of a sudden, when I was helping and training and coaching these people to buy their first house, it was amazing. And now, all of a sudden, I was getting away from that. So I changed my focus from my clients into the people I hire. And I started looking at, if I bring an agent in and I can help them sell 24 homes, and then I can help them sell 40 homes, and then I can teach them how to sell 60 homes, I get so much more excitement and pride when I get a phone call on Monday and say, hey, Nick, I wrote three offers this weekend, and two of them are already accepted, and one of them we're looking to ratify by the end of the day. That gets me excited. That gets me fired up. Now I know that I'm making a significant difference in somebody's life. I'm changing their family and their financial future. And that's what really gives me passion is, you know, being in a position where I feel like for every ladder that I've gone up in the success world, there's been someone above me helping me up each step. And so now my theory is always look back to see who you can help up that same ladder. So as I climb this ladder, I have so many people to thank for all the help they've given me. I reach back and I help everybody I can get to the same level and follow me. You've brought up the team many times. I believe you're around 21 people. Let's outline that real quick so people can see the overall structure. We talked about the sales group, but could you give us the overall structure of the team real quickly? Just outline the titles, the positions, and what they're responsible for? Sure, absolutely. So let's start with the admin side. On the admin side, we have a listing manager and as well as a second listing manager that's in training right now to take over that same role. Their job is to bring in every listing and take it all the way from soup to nuts until the time it goes under contract. We have a transaction coordinator for the seller side only. They focus on just the seller side the second they go under contract to settlement. On the buy side, we have two transaction coordinators that handle everything from the time it goes under contract till it closes. We have a runner, and the runner's job is to put up lockboxes, drop signs off, drop brochures off, whatever needs to be done they're out running around helping us with all that stuff. I have office manager, uh, executive assistant, who is absolutely like my right hand as far as helping me get to where I need to go and keeping me focused and keeping my day organized and me on track for where I should be. Then we move to the lead generation. So I have a director of growth who is absolutely outstanding. His job is hiring, growing, and training the new people that are coming in. I have two lead agents, a lead listing agent, a lead buyer's agent. Again, they're working with that chief growth officer to help grow uh, the agents and teach and train and get them better and better. We have uh, four full-time agents under those two. And then we have four, five, six underneath them that are training that are somewhere in that ISA showing agent, brand new agent, kind of in that mix. They're growing and learning at that. And then we have my rosy mom. Amazing woman who is not around as much as you would think. You know, she's, uh, she's been doing this for so long that her passion isn't building the team or growing this. Her passion was, was selling real estate. She did a fantastic job on it. But so she always has a space with us. Whenever she does want to sell something, she absolutely can. When she doesn't, travel, enjoy your life, whatever you want to do, you're my mom. Well, Nick, why have you been so successful? Oh, that's an easy answer. I've been so successful because found great people that were willing to help teach me. Everything I've done, everything I've created, every single system we use, everything we've built, 
I've built it off of learning how other people are doing it, modeling their systems, modeling what they do. One of the reasons I have no problem telling anybody exactly what I do and how to do it is simply because that's how I learned. That's how I got to where I am. Somebody else helped me to come up here. So now that's why I want to reach out and help anybody else follow. Anybody can do what I've done. Anybody can build the business I've built. The difference is if you join me and you're with me, I can get you there 10 times faster. If you want to do it yourself, that's usually an ego push that, hey, I want to do it myself. No problem. I'm happy to help you. I get that. But if you're local and you can do it with me, I can get you there five or 10 times faster. Well, Nick, if you are going to advise a brand new agent just getting in the business, what would you tell them to do first? The most important thing new agents need to focus on is their database. It's who they're calling, how they're reaching out, what they're saying, and they have to be consistent. Every single day, a new agent should touch 20 people. That doesn't mean call and leave messages. That means physically talk to 20 people every single day and have a real estate conversation. Not, hey, how are you? Just checking in. Okay, talk to you later. By the way, I'm in real estate. No, hey, I'm calling. If you don't mind, this is a quick business conversation. Oh, okay. Listen, I'm just wanted to check with you. You know, I've been doing real estate for a while. I'm really excited about this business. Do you know anybody looking to buy or sell in real estate? Who should I be talking to? And you constantly have those conversations. You will find business and you will grow your network. Every time you get new business, you put them in your database and you consistently and persistently touch them and make sure that they know how important they are to you. As that database grows, so will your business. Everything is about lead generation that never goes away. I lead generate to this day, every single day. The difference is I'm not looking for buyers and sellers. I'm looking for people to hire and bring on the team. I'm looking for top talent that I can add. So my job is the same as a brand new agent's job. It's to wake up every morning, lead generate for two to four hours, talk to all those people, and then go about the rest of their day. Doesn't matter what kind of car you drive. Doesn't matter what your business card looks like. It doesn't matter if you know how to write a contract. All that stuff can be taught. If you don't lead generate and you don't build your database, you'll never succeed. Well, Nick, do you think the top agent interviews like the one we're doing now with Mastermind Agent are valuable? Yes, I think these are very valuable. I mean, I just told you that the number one source of my success is learning and modeling others. If you're not taking the time to listen and understand how other people are accomplishing it, you can't then go and see if that fits in your model. So I constantly, even to this day, am listening and talking to top agents. Four times a year, I meet with the top 100 agents in the entire country with Gary Keller, who is the writer of MREA, Millionaire Real Estate Agent, The One Thing with Jay Papazon. There's a multitude of books that those gentlemen have written that have impacted my world. And now I'm masterminding with them on a constant basis. I pick up the phone and call them when I have questions. That didn't happen overnight. That took a lot of time to build that. So you should be out talking to as many people as you can, communicating, listening, finding out how other people are succeeding, and then copying what they're doing and modeling that. Everything in life has already been accomplished and someone's already done it. You just need to go and take that model or take that plan and put it in in your own words. Well, Nick, I've come to the end of my questions for today. Do you have any parting thoughts for the listeners? Yeah, absolutely. So one thing that I like to tell people is you know, we have a website. It's called salesforwardfriday.com. You can go on there. You can kind of read about our system. But 
Sail Forward Friday is something that we started uh, a while back. Do it every single Friday. The entire team gets on a call and we share our failures. Each person on the team shares something they failed with that week, what they learned from that, and what they're going to do differently next week. And then other people on the team jump in and they say, oh, I've had that same problem. This is what I do. Or, oh, don't beat yourself up too bad. I did the same thing when I was brand new. This is how I handled it. Oh, you're not sure what to do? Okay, well, this is what I did. This is what I was taught. And all of a sudden, making a mistake and failure is a great thing. It's a great teacher. Everything you succeed at at life, you don't learn anything. Everything you fail at, you get better at. So don't be afraid of failure. Start looking at failure in a different way. Start looking at it as an opportunity to get better every single time. So failforwardfriday.com is something that we've put together and kind of put that message out. This is what we do. A lot of top teams in the nation have called me and said, oh my God, we use Fail Forward Friday every Friday. And thank you so much for adding that. That's the one thing that I feel like I've been able to give back to, you know, the massive producing community, like all the big producers in the industry. I typically sit around and feel like, oh, maybe I'm not worthy. Maybe I shouldn't even be in this room. And that's one thing that I feel like I really give people that they can go back and use and it can make a massive difference in the mindset and the thinking of their agents. Well, Nick, you've built a prospecting-based, marketing-enhanced team with a clear career path for your team members. Starting all team agents on the phone, prospecting, and lead generating is paying big dividends. Handing agents one company-generated client for each agent-generated client creates a huge incentive to self-generate leads. Giving team agents the ability to leverage and create sub-teams should create more loyalty, retention, and fulfillment. Thank you for sharing and being our top agent of the month. And join us next call when we talk to an agent who sold 50 homes his first year and 586 homes last year. Find out who he is on the next success call. If you like the show and want to know when the next one's coming out, click the subscribe button on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, give the show a five-star review and write a quick comment. I read them all, and it motivates me to keep going and share the top agent success stories with you. Thanks. If you're looking for more ways to generate leads, check out our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television, and their giant database library of video trainings where top agents reveal, demonstrate, and discuss their best lead generation methods. Visit RealGTV, R-E-A-L-G dot TV. If you're low on funds or just want to get the maximum leverage, check out my masterclass webinar titled Top 5 Free Lead Sources for Real Estate Agents. Learn more at FreeLeadTime.com. That's FreeLeadTime.com. Oh, and if you have a real estate friend who needs some inspiration, tell them about the Success Calls podcast. And don't you forget to subscribe right now to hear all the great top agent ideas. Keep moving forward. You've been listening to Success Calls on the Mastermind Agent Network, where top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com.